every time of this year, the new year presents us a gift, a gift of a new beginning. I know it's just mere calendar thing, nothing really extraordinary things happen, but it gives us a new beginning. The new beginning means uh, for some, some of us, a different kind of resolutions, but at least for the believers, Christ followers, this represents a new, fresh start. And I'm praying for a renewed spiritual focus individually and cooperatively. And because of that, I was kind of tossing back and forth whether we should do a special New Year's Sunday message or the, our David series. It turned out to be Psalm 37 is actually perfect for the new year and as well as perfect for our continuing series since our series is not just about life events of David but the heart of David, the man after God's own heart. And this reveals quite a lot about David as well. So let's begin with this thought. Here's an axiom. Not all growth is healthy. And obviously, ingrown toenail, cancer, debt, and body fat, we laugh at that. But at the same time, even in our own Christian life, our faith journey, some growth is not, growth is not healthy. And for, for example, when you come to church Sunday and Sunday out, we, it becomes a ritualistic and habitual. Our mind becomes more autopilot. And then we're continually growing accustomed to things, to take it for granted, which is not good. And in some sense, in our spiritual health, there are things like a cancerous spiritual sickness or doubts or, or unbelief or lack of belief in many sense. By nature, Christian growth requires growing in a new direction. So actually, the Bible calls that repentance, turning from our, our own ways into a new direction, in God's way. And this year, as we begin the new year, this, we need to realize that this direction, new direction, is not about us, but about God. It's not my resolution to get to my goal and God bless my plan this year. It is actually growing more God-reliant as opposed to self-reliant. Have you, have you thought about that? Am I God-reliant or self-reliant? This is absolutely countercultural concept. In, in, in our Christian lives, as we journey through everyday life, 
the culture, mainstream culture, encourages us self-reliance. That's why even spirituality, self-help books and pop psychology and prosperity gospel is so popular for that reason because we are the captain of our souls in that paradigm. So turning to Psalm 37, Psalm 37 is a David's acrostic psalm. Hebrew alphabet, it takes, he takes, uh, Psalm 119 is typical of that too. Starts with first alphabet, and the first stanza comes in. Second alphabet, and third alphabet. Why is that? Obviously, this is creative, artistic, poetic uh, form, but at the same time, it is educational in purpose many times to teach our children and it provides so much wisdom for the new year. In Psalms 37 itself indicates David wrote this psalm in his old age. So which means by this time he had lived and learned the wisdom of God in our lives. So it pr presents so much of wisdom and, and the wisdom about growing in this new direction even when life seems unfair. I think this psalm is particularly um, <coughs> delightful wisdom psalm because unlike other psalms, this, sounds, this, this psalm sounds like Proverbs because it has a lot of parallels and contrasts. So every single line is um, filled with wisdom. It's dense. And it has a 40 verses. And it's not uh, easy to preach on this kind of psalm because there's no thematic to wave into that because so much of every single truth is so profound. So with this year, what I've done, what I've done in, the, in the past week, uh, a couple of weeks, I just sat on it over and over. And then these eight words emerge. Eight words for the new year. Eight words for growing in a new direction in our faith journey. And I hope you pay attention to some of these words because the Lord will remind you and, and provoke some of the thoughts and speak to you that you do need this wisdom. But before that, let's read the whole thing. Psalm 37, verses 1 through 40. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like, a, like the grass and wither like the green, her green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. 
Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose way is upright. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of the many wicked. Those arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, they have abundance. But the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They, pa they vanish like smoke. They vanish away. The wicked borrows but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives. Those who bless it by the Lord shall inherit the land. But those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong. For the Lord upholds his, head, his hand. I have been young, and now I am old. Yet I have seen the righteous forsaken. I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good, so shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. 
The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not, do not slip. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. Mark the blameless and behold the upright. For there is a future for them, for the man of peace, but the transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. This is the reading of God's word. As I mentioned, in this psalm, in this wisdom psalm, we see eight words, at least eight words that we're drawing. We're growing in a new direction in 2018. The first word is fret not. To grow more in experiencing freedom from envy, frustration, and grumbling spirit. And verse 1, 7, and 8 repeatedly says about, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Do not be envious and fret not of yourself. And it tends to only to evil. But in our daily language, we don't use the word fret. I think the closest that I could think of is don't get fumed. Avoid fussing. Why? To fret means to be agitated emotionally. Your heart is turned with discontentment and anxiousness and envy. What's going on? This is a common thing. You... Day in, day out, you keep your integrity and you work hard and you pursue godliness in your family life. And what happens? The, a friend next to your cubicle gets promoted in corners, corner window office. And you know his character. And not only is an unbeliever, sometimes he compromised moral principles just freely. You can't do that because of your conscience. Because your commitment to, to follow Christ today and every day. But more often than not, every believer runs into this dilemma. Am I doing this right? How come everybody's speeding up, going ahead of me? They seem to be successful. And not only that, there are no roadblocks, as if they are really getting blessed in their own ways. And obviously, this psalm 
and another psalm, Psalm 73, a very similar theme that speaks to troubled heart. In, in our faith journey, this is honest confession, isn't it? But David's first and foremost wise word for us, when life seems unfair, and sometimes it, when it's disturbing, fret not. And think about this. Why am I fretting? Because in deep in, in our hearts, we might not verbalize it. God, you are not doing something you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be in control. Are you paying attention? How come my children have learning disabilities? How come that kid who's unbelievers children seem to be having everything going for that kid? What about my job here, Lord? What's good about my being faithful and really keeping integrity whether my boss sees me or not. It, it is a matter of trusting that whether God is in control. The whole thing hinges upon whether we believe in sovereign providence of God. When things are not going our way, when things are Nothing's happening when we think there's something gotta happening. So, fret not. It has a sense of releasing your grip. Get off from the chair of the chairman of the universe. Let God be God. Do not fret. Do not complain. Not because you, you need to hold back what's inside of you, but to release that control. Release that strong grip. And if we release that grip, we'll experience peace and rest without fuming or fussing. Word number two is delight. To grow more in finding your joy and happiness and satisfaction in the Lord. Verse four, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's important to listen to the scripture with open heart and open mind without reading into things. It could be like this. I really have the desires of my heart and he will give me the desires of heart. Okay, what is necessary for that? Delight yourself in the Lord. Okay, I might do that. And Spurgeon kind of mentions in his old language and very simply putting, be sure to do this first. 
Delight yourself in the Lord first. Then you will experience the outcome. So true. Another way of looking at it. To delight ourselves in the Lord presents us quite a challenge here. Some of you delight in your kids. They're beautiful. They're, they're adorable. Some of them, some of you delight yourself in food. A lot of foodies. I'm one of those foodies. Uh, I, you know, as, as simple as it may be, and I, my confession is the best time of throughout the day is meal time. I look forward. If there's no meal time, no fun, no fun in life. And then if I meet meet up meet with a friend who says food is food and it doesn't mean anything to me, all of a sudden it's not fun anymore to eat with him. But I love those people who just has a passion for food. Some of you guys know I lost about 30 pounds, so there are so many things I don't eat anymore, but I still want to be with those people. Some of you are really into music, whether it's jazz, uh, alternative, or so many different kinds of genre. And some of you enjoy good movie. All those things are good things. But this word is, means to make yourself happy and satisfied because of the Lord himself, not because of the things that he could give us. There's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes when we think of the gifts more than the giver of the gifts, what happens is we become an idol worshiper who wants something from idol. And the God becomes an idol, a means to an end. I'll be faithful, I'll give, and I'll be, I'll be godly, I'll read scripture, I pray, and I'll be faithful to the church. Then Lord, bless my kids, my career. Give me the desires. I really want to make BP this year. That's my desire. I want that car. I want that house. I want my kid to go Ivy League school. What, what have you? The challenge is, that, is this. You get up in the morning, make yourself satisfied because the Lord himself. You taste and delight the person of Godhead. It, do you think it's really religious thing? But obviously, when you think about it, a means to an end approach 
is quite religious. It's ritualistic. But true spirituality that Jesus talked about is that God is the center, not, at, not only the center of the universe, but center of our heart, center of our convictions, center of our values, center of our paradigms. And the God is the greatest, greatest delight. I met with the elders, and I'll be visiting each home group beginning of this year. I haven't done this for a long time. Um, it's not just a visit to encourage and support. Actually, I'm going to lead a study. Lead a study on quiet time. Not so much about structure and how-tos, anything like that. But one of the deepest concerns as your pastor is that if you do not enjoy spending time with the Lord, and it becomes a, such a duty, and duty itself only, it is the saddest thing as a Christian life. So my attempt is a beggar, like a beggar, who are telling on other beggars where I got my bread, where I got satisfied. And we're going to open up Scripture together, the, the, to, that day is quiet time passage. And we're going to meditate on it, chew on it, until juice, really good juice comes out. And meditating and applying it. I'll make a confession on this. I think the best of my sermons are not coming from so much of in-depth theological, exegetical studies from commentaries, from other books, from my own skill set of doing it. But at the ba very basic of it, when I meet the Lord and when I got satisfied, the passage became alive. Even without any commentaries, even without any looking at other things, even I don't know how to preach on it. God has met with me. This is so good. So very good. Have you ever taken a walk? When you're love, in love with someone, isn't that walk good? God's supposed to be that passion and love in our lives. I'm not romanticizing. Sometimes it's very difficult because God is unseen. But you sense his presence and nearness. And words of David and Psalm becomes your psalm. You know, the feeling that you, when you listen to pop song when you're a teenager or when you're young, when you're falling in love and you're madly in love, the songs, lyrics, how do they know my heart? I still remember when I was dating Kate and fell in love. Earth flies, even the nights are better. <laughs> oh. 
when you're reading scripture, the words of in Psalm in David, it becomes alive just like that. When was the last time you made yourself happy and delightfully satisfied in the Lord? That of God above all else is the portion of your life. And Psalm 73 has a similar struggle. And that Psalm's confession is very similar to what David is urging as a wisdom. In Psalm 73, verse 25 to 26, are the verses my brother Tim quoted. And I, some of you don't know, he did five-minute sermon with his speech impediment. And then he said a second time around when he was going through dialysis. He's still ongoing second time around now. They, these verses were much comfort to him and strengthen every day. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God, not wealth, not your children, not your career, not your hobbies, is a portion of your life. Ought to be for eternity. Number three, word is commit to grow more in entrusting your way and your burdens to the Lord. Verse 5 and 6. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as a noonday. Trust in the, trust in the Lord and then what's the difference committing? Commit your way to the Lord. And then this Hebrew word I found out during the word study literally means roll. What is roll? R-O-L-L. Oh, and then Exodus, the, the Lord, the God, the Lord, is saying that I rolled away your iniquities. I delivered you from the Egypt. Well, that imagery was helpful for me. So interesting. Think of it as you're taking everything out and you're interesting to the Lord. That means your worries and your plans. All other things. That means that without holding back anything, you surrender all of you. 
And it will lead us to interest all of ourselves without holding back anything. Worries and financial needs and provisions for family, future plans, hopes and dreams and experience and knowledge and strength, success and fruits of our work, business and ministry and church, life-altering decisions, future mate or your current spouse and career changes, etc. You know, I, I promise that I will share about my experience of solitude and silence day yesterday. Oh, this was a pleasant surprise as I was sitting down and reading through my old journal just about just exactly a year ago in that same place I wrote this. And this is too personal to put it in a PowerPoint slide. So let me just read portions of it, and I was just blown away. Save me, O God, from myself. Can I really lose weight this year? Can I become self-controlled enough to change my diet, my lifestyle, and my health? I have no hope apart from you. I cling to you with my feeble faith. I do not waste, want to waste my life by living in this half-frozen mode of life. I want to make my life count to glorify you, to increase the kingdom of God by serving to the people with a full heart. Will you revive my heart? Will you give me courage to, to regain my health, to bring glory to you? And some of you know that struggle. And I, growing, growing up, I was always healthy and athletic, and somewhere along the line, I messed it up big time. And then Kate always urges me to face the reality. You know, it's kind of embarrassing to say it. Um, she would try to do a spring cleaning and the whole bag of clothes, my old clothes. I'm going to throw this away, okay? Or, or donate to um, Goodwills or something. Say, No. I'm going to get back to shape and get fit into that. So she goes, you haven't done it for 15 years. So, <laughs> so I let it go. But um, maybe because I like food so much. And maybe because I don't have that much of uh, other hobbies. So food is just ultimate passion in my life. And I couldn't think of many, so many failures of different diet, right? How can, how can I regain my, my health? For past year, one whole year, very slowly, because it was in some kind of a fad diet, it was a life change. I decided to change my life for the rest of my life this way. 
And then very slowly, because I lost weight, 30 pounds, very slowly, there is no yo-yo anymore. And I could see with my own heart and see the strength, hope. What was impossible became very possible. And I was just welled up. And sitting in that Newport Beach library for gratitude. I committed my way to the Lord. I committed the things that I, I just fell just stuck with. Lord, here it is. What, what is your thing? What is, what is one thing that you can't do it on your own strength? As well as other successes and things that you make you proud, maybe too prideful. Will you commit your way and your burdens to the Lord? Especially the things that you think it's impossible. Number four is be still. To grow more in quieting your soul and resting in the Lord. Verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. If you have a New King James Version, some other versions like that, this verse will start with rest in the Lord. The same thing happens in Psalm 62. ESV will say, my soul waits in silence for God alone. In NIV will say, my soul finds rest. You know why, is, why, why that is? The root word has the meaning of quieting and resting at the same time. So you could translate it either way. The point is, be still is not just physically being quiet. Your soul is quieting. You cease striving on your own strength and let God be God. And thus, you find rest. Solitude and silence is utterly important for us and for that reason. It is a place that we declare our nothingness. It doesn't matter you are CEO or you are billionaire. Or it doesn't matter you are an elder or a pastor or a missionary. Before God, all the scaffolding is falling apart and you're nothing before him. And then you realize God, the creator, the sovereign Lord will have mercy on me. That he will accept me and receive me in his loving arms and steadfast love and has said kindness to us. It's incredible. And there is a rest. Lord Jesus invited each one of us, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden. 
I will give you rest. Many of you had a holidays, many days of, if not weeks of. A lot of physical rest. But because we are made in the image of God, we need more than physical rest. I'm talking about you slept so many hours and you maybe binge through some Netflix thing all day long. Do you feel refreshed at the end of the day? Do you feel sluggish and just feel so tired? You didn't do anything? And you feel disgruntled in your heart, some sad and moodiness, depression happens? Because the spiritual rest is when we become silent and still before the Lord. And he touches you where you need to be touched. He gives us comfort. He's of peace. But we thought that, oh, oh, this one, you're going to be mad, Lord. But as we surrender our brokenness, the Lord is merciful. And he leads us to green pasture as our shepherd. And no wonder David wrote this psalm in his old days. It's a seasoned wisdom. Along with the Psalm 23, was written not when he was a shepherd boy, but most scholars will say that at the end of his life, as a matter of fact, this is a little um, preview. Uh, our David series will end end of February, God willing. <laughs> it's been more than a year, I know. Um, but we will end on Psalm 23. No, word number five is refrain, to grow more in refraining from anger and turning from rage. Verse 8 and 10, refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. Why? In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his house, he will not be there. You think that he's going to succeed and prosperous will be prosperous forever. No. There's a many different languages. Like a smoke, they vanish away. Like a glory of pastures. All of a sudden, fleeting glory is gone. And the withers, withers away. And here's one byproduct of fretting is a toxic anger and reckless rage. Now when you lose temper, you end up doing very stupid things. And you say things that doesn't even make sense. 
and you hear yourself, especially, you know, when when I when I excuse myself because of my four boys, like they're all taller than me, and except one, but my youngest one is extremely taller. So I can't really control them as I used to. So I, I don't I don't I don't want to use any spanking anything like that and I threaten them and they used to get scared but they're not scared anymore. So I would lose temper. And after I lose temper my whole day is just ruined. I know that. But I know it comes from fretting. Just, I just don't like things are not going the way that I think it's supposed to be going. Refrain from anger. I know some of you, like me, have done things regretful because of anger. Because of Losing temper. Oh, some of you, your introverted people, there's a passive aggressive aggression going on. Even with God, that anger is also toxic. Let's remember that our vindication will come from the Lord. What we see is not all. Sovereign God is at work. That's why number six word is important as well. Do good. To grow more in turning away from evil and to doing good. This is a kind of twin. You can't really separate. Do good. Because it's, it's a pointing to the right a positive action, right? In order for us to do good, we need to turn away from evil first. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundance peace. Turn away from evil and do good. So shall you dwell forever. What is this dwelling language all about? So when you when you remember the uh, even King David's time, the land of Canaan was a promised land, the promised land filled with milk and honey, promised land that has a God's kindness and God's blessing is there. So what is the requirement? You trust and obey, and then you will dwell and enjoy. His inheritance forever. Uh, obviously, the Old Testament always uh, foreshadows what's coming up. And for even for New Testament believers like you and me, we can look forward to inherit the kingdom of God forever in that sense. The new heavens and earth, new Jerusalem, that we will dwell forever. In order for you to do that, you turn from 
evil and do good. <coughs> See, it, this might sound, this some, uh, might sound like a bunch of collection of fortune cookies because it, it really sounds like a proverb, right? But there's a running theme. There is a comparison and contrast of two ways. The way of the wicked and the way of the righteous. Lest you think that in order to be wicked, you need to be some kind of a criminal. You, you know, uh, the righteous being, mean that you do more than good moral things and you help people. You, you, no. Generally, the wicked is self-reliant. Ungodly, in other words. The righteous is God-reliant. Godly people. It centers in trusting God or not. Do you trust yourself and do it your way? Or do you trust God and follow God's way? Is really the question. So because of that, throughout the psalm, I made some observation. The righteous trust in the Lord and do good. The wicked, the self-reliant, prosper in their own way momentarily. The righteous, the God-reliant, will inherit the land. The self-reliant will be cut off. Better is the little that the God-reliant people have than the abundance of many self-reliant. The Lord opposed God-reliant people and delivered them, delivers them, but the arms of the self-reliant will be broken and they will be no more. The heritage of the God-reliant will remain forever and they are not put to shame in evil times. But the self-reliant people are like the glory of the pastures. They will be destroyed. As a good teacher, David repeats. I'm telling you, they'll fade away there will be no more. They will vanish. If you trust in the Lord, you will dwell in the land and you will, God will give you the desires of your heart. And that desire is actually more of himself. Number six. I need to hurry up just a little bit. Um, I'm sorry. The ending of the number six is that it, this requires a surrendering ourselves to God's sovereign providence in our lives, whether it is good or bad in what we see and experience now. Finally, number seven. Wait is the final word. To grow more in waiting patiently for the Lord Verse 7, 9, and 34. Wait patiently for him, for the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord will shall, shall inherit the land. 
Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look upon when the wicked are cut off. So why wait? Because trusting requires hoping in the Lord. Especially when things are not going your way, when life seems unfair. Wait to trust God. Wait. Instead of moving forward and doing frantic things on your own self-strength, do nothing by choice until God gives us next step. You know, I'm really looking forward to tonight's uh, annual meeting, family meeting. Irene will uh, present an, an update. And she gave me already her PowerPoint slides that, you know, since I am allowing so many leaders that will be doing reports in two minutes. So let's see who keeps that or not. <clears throat> Otherwise, our dinner will be postponed. I mean, pushed back. I'm really excited because even just looking at Irene's slide, God's mercy is there. You know, that's exactly what we did. Back in September, August and September, when we ran into the wall of city zoning issue, that we are not allowed to have church in this professional zone. There were so many different opinions. So our elders and I decided, let's declare waiting on the Lord. We will choose to do nothing and fasting and prayer chain. And at the end of fasting and prayer chain, God starts showing up the hints of his favor on us, that we are not forgotten, that his providential care is upon our church. The rest of the story, you need to come to tonight. Too. <laughs> so look at... Um, Hold some today, and this familiar comparison will come up. Verse 10 of today's psalm, just the little while the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. In Matthew 5, in Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, this is a third uh, blessing out of eight beatitude. Blessed are the meek, for they shall, for they shall, for they shall inherit the earth. Here is a definition that I think of as I'm in light of the, today's psalm. A meek person is one who patiently trusts and obeys. In the sovereign Lord, experiencing quiet peace and gentleness of inner strength from the Lord. So in other words, a meek person is not a weak person. Meek person who is actually whose gentleness comes from inner strength, trusting in God's sovereignty. Oh, I want that.
Here are the seven words again. Fret not to grow more in experiencing freedom from envy, frustration, and grumbling spirit. Number two, delight to grow more in finding your joy and happiness and satisfaction in the Lord. Number three, commit to grow more in entrusting your way and burdens to the Lord. Number four, be still to grow more in quieting your soul and resting in the Lord. Number five, refrain to grow more in refraining your anger and turning from rage. Number six, do good to grow more in turning away from evil and doing good. Number seven, wait to grow more in waiting patiently for the Lord. As I close, my question is twofolded. Number one, which one of these seven words is your greatest growth need in this new year? The second and final question. Will you commit today, not tomorrow, to becoming more God-reliant in 2018? Let's pray. Oh Lord, thank you for speaking to our hearts. And thank you that David's wisdom psalm has given us a clear way in looking ahead at 2018. And I pray for each one of these brothers and sisters who stand with the word in their mind, in their heart. May the Lord be with that commitment and seal their heart with your affirmation. Keep them as the apple of your eyes and provide ways that you have satisfied me as I committed a year ago. And for our church, entire church, make us be satisfied people who want more of you. Not just the, thing, not just the things of you. And we give you glory and honor and our utmost worship this very first Lord's Day of 2018. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.